We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners on whose land this podcast was produced and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We would also like to acknowledge the commitment and sacrifice of First Nations people in the preservation of country and culture. This was and always will be Aboriginal land. We're at Arts House in North Melbourne. It's a beautiful old building on a main street with cobbled gutters, right on a tram line. Originally built as North Melbourne's Town Hall, the building was repurposed as a contemporary art space in 2004. You might have been here to see a piece of theatre or contemporary dance. But today, the conversation inside is about floods rather than art. It's a hive of activity with people engaged in all parts of emergency management, working together in response to a disaster. Local council are liaising with the Lost Dogs Home on the logistical challenges of rescuing and rehoming animals from the facility. Community leaders are providing support, sharing resources and local knowledge. There are faith services, transport workers, people with strong community ties and local business owners all adding context, parts of the puzzle that might be missing. A mixture of uh, representatives from City of Melbourne, uh, some neighbouring councils that we work closely with. Emergency services are here too, every acronym you can think of, adding how they can best support the effort. Some emergency services agencies, the usual ones like Victoria Police and Fire Rescue Victoria and SES. But this isn't an active disaster situation. It's a simulation exercise run by the City of Melbourne. This is Christine Drummond. So my name's Christine Drummond. I'm the Emergency Management Coordinator for the City of Melbourne. We pick a, um, a risk that's been identified as a, um, a, a potential risk in our community. So, you know, there's fires, floods, terrorist incidents, pandemics. So each year the emergency services agencies and myself will, will decide on which risk we should try and um, practice, if you like. They bring those agencies together to tackle preparedness or response to a particular disaster. So in a normal exercise, basically we'd run through um, trying to test the plans, trying to work through who would be doing what in relation to an incident, and then talking through what some of the community needs might be and how we might respond to them. And in 2022, they thought they'd try something different. Christine and the Arts House team came up with a concept. Christine put the idea to the usual emergency management agencies. I actually went to them, we have a quarterly meeting, and I said, how do you feel about doing it differently? This time, the exercise would include people from the local community, and it would be facilitated by artists. I'm Skosha Monkovich, and this is Creative Responders, a podcast from the Creative Recovery Network that explores how creativity and the arts can support and strengthen communities to grow and connect through the disaster experience. In this episode, we'll hear what happened when the City of Melbourne engaged artists in the co-design and facilitation of a preparedness exercise, working with the North Melbourne community to imagine better models of response and recovery. 
Their 2022 disaster simulation exercise Torrent engaged a group of artists and writers to develop a provocative scenario for emergency management professionals, business leaders and community members to interact with. We get to be a fly on the wall as they use that process to explore what an effective community-led response would look like if their local community was impacted by a flood disaster. How does engaging artists in the process from the get-go change an exercise like this? How does effective preparedness set up a community for better outcomes when disaster hits? And what window of opportunity does an arts-based approach offer into aspects of preparedness, often overlooked by traditional processes, like accessibility? In the past, we've had more discussion-focused exercises with um, other emergency services agencies and councils and departments. She runs this multi-agency exercise every year. But this year, Christine knew early on that she wanted it to be different. This time what we did, though, was we focused on the relief and recovery and very early on I decided I wanted to be working with the community, not for the community. The Emergency Management Department at City of Melbourne had partnered with Arts House before on a six-year project called Refuge. Refuge brought together local residents, artists, scientists, elders and experts from the world of emergency services to explore, through art, how the survival of the individual is linked to the survival of community and what role we each play in a disaster situation. The first year of Refuge, they went through simulating um, opening up um, Arts House, North Melbourne Town Hall, um, over a weekend, letting members of the public come in and having information and services there as if it was um, an emergency relief centre during a flood, actually, <laughs> back then as well. Over six years, the Refuge Project worked in parallel to the theme of the Council's emergency management exercise. So we ran with the same theme. So we had pandemic, uh, we had heatwave, we'd run um, a similar theme and, and worked together. As the Refuge Project was drawing to a close, Arts House and the Emergency Management Department, who both sit within the City of Melbourne, were exploring what the next phase of their collaboration might look like. Late last year, that's when I approached Sarah um, at Arts House and said, would you be interested if we ran it at Arts House? The Arts House team were keen to open their doors to host the exercise, and they also proposed collaborating even more closely in the process. What if they brought in creatives to co-design and facilitate the exercise? This um, exercise tournament was the first time we've really run the exercise completely jointly, so that was sort of like a culmination of it. The exercise would still involve the usual emergency management agencies and still rely on an emergency scenario. We have done exercise contagion, which was about a pandemic, of course, and that happened before we actually had COVID. We've had um, high-rise fires, we've had... Uh, terrorism. We had an earthquake exercise last year and when we were developing, when I was developing the earthquake exercise, people were like, oh, well, that's never going to happen in the city of Melbourne. And then we did have a small earthquake. But there would be differences. It would be run at Arts House for one, a civic space, but one that is known as a creative hub for gathering and exchange. And community organisations would be involved in the process leveraging the engagement and growing relationships that Arts House has been building within the North Melbourne community over many years. We had some community members uh, and we also had some local organisations uh, local to North Melbourne that were also present. 
and artists were to be central to the exercise, involved in the writing group that planned the scenario and on the day as facilitators. And I guess the um, the really exciting uh, thing about this exercise was that it was a, a fusion of, I'd say, traditional emergency management and artistic because we actually ran the exercise, um, Jen Ray and myself, we co-facilitated and we also had two other artists who were helping us run the, the various sessions and activities throughout the day. And what I did right from the beginning with all of the people that were um, part of developing the exercises, I said, I want us to be working with the community, not for the community. I think in the past with some of the emergencies, um, agencies and, and state government and whatnot have tried to help people but sort of done it for them rather than with them. So the whole real aim of the exercise was to listen and learn and to take on board different views and, and not to try and impose things in what the emergency services might have thought would be the best way, but to listen and find out how people, you know, how people wanted to receive information, who they trusted, what it was they needed, what was important to them. So it was that kind of a focus that we were looking at. And, uh, and community members and representatives so that there'll be some good um, discussion going on. So with the community members and the, um, the local agencies, we actually had a couple of mini workshops just to run them through what an exercise was about and what we were trying to achieve. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to introduce Jen and I'm going to introduce Kate and Jonathan who are also going to be our key partners that we're working with um, today. So Jen is actually Dr Jen Ray and she's an award-winning artist and researcher whose expertise is centred around cultural responses to climate change, specifically the role of artists. Facilitating with Jen and Christine are two other artists. Kate Sullen, who's the founding artistic director of performance company Raucus. Kate's a performance maker, a facilitator, and one of the artists in the Refuge Project since its inception. Hello everyone, we're so glad that you're here to do this exercise with us today. And um, we thought that it would be great to just get a quick snapshot of who's in the room because there's so many people here from so many different places. And Jonathan Craig. He's a writer, policy advisor, audio producer and accessibility consultant. This creative team were also involved in the writing group to develop the scenario used on the day and designing how that will be played out in the room. So obviously it's a, a, a scenario, it's a pretend exercise, but we have based it on real information. Our, our partners from SES have given us um, good details. So it's a possibility that what could happen, um, what we've outlined could happen here in North Melbourne. Now in the room, that work is used as prompts given during discussions, working through the different challenges that would come up in a response and recovery situation. And it's shared with the people there through videos simulating news broadcasts from a flood situation. Welcome to NewsHour. In this special program, we'll be taking a closer look at the major flooding that is affecting North Melbourne and hearing about the many challenges that the authorities and residents are facing. So you've got a realistic scenario and you've got enough information to use as what we call as injects so you can keep the scenario flowing and the discussion flowing. There are the obvious challenges of providing food, medication and clothing to those who need it. It gets the, but below the, surface, gets the thought process, processes flowing and the conversation going. But at the same time, we're seeing a community that is showing great resilience and innovation in the ways people are helping each other. Having the creative lens of Jen, Kate and Jonathan transformed the exercise entirely. How it was run, the focus of the sessions... It changed the approach, the mood. Looking out into the room, 
You don't see a cluster of emergency management officials here, a group of artists there, the community members watching on, listening passively. Instead, everyone is mixed in together, something that was planned from the start. Christine had put it to the emergency management agencies months earlier. Plan to mix you up and put you on tables with um, not your usual people that you would be sitting with, but members of the public and other councils um, as well. And they were up for that too. So there was a, a sense of coming into something quite new and quite different. Even in the informal moments, it's clear this approach was having an impact. Some community members can be quite um, frightened or put off by uniforms and, and will not respond if someone in a uniform comes um, to their door or can be confronting to them because of their, um, their cultural background or their own previous experiences. There was a uniformed um, emergency services agency rep who came along to the exercise and he, I caught up with him uh, a few days later and he said to me, you know what, he said, I never really understood when people said, oh, I'm, I'm frightened of someone in a uniform. He said, but that table you put me on and some of those community members that I was able to speak to, I understand now. He said, but I was also able to talk to them and explain to them who I was and what my job was. He said, and I think they understood me a bit better too. So it's, it's breaking down those barriers and trying to learn more about each other as well. It's hard to overstate the significance of a day like this. It's a really valuable part of the work Christine does at council. We know that when communities are well prepared, they are able to respond and recover better when disasters occur. The exercise of bringing together people with different lived experience is key to building the foundation of cooperation that's required for a community to act effectively in a disaster situation. Sociologist and writer Richard Sennett argues that learning the skill of cooperation is one of the most urgent challenges facing modern society. Senate believes cooperation requires more than goodwill. It's a craft, requiring a set of skills that over time we have begun to lose. In a society where traditional ways of collaborating with our community have been weakened, how do we find new ways to strengthen the connections that help us to be more skillful in living with others? And how do we find opportunities to practice these skills that equip us to cope when challenges arise? As we look to new models of preparedness and response, how do we activate a whole-of-community approach where everyone has a role to play? And as Christine said earlier, where disaster management services are working with, not for, the community. In the past... The annual preparedness exercise had been very focused on process and the ways different government and service agencies interact with each other in a disaster scenario. Bringing community organisations and artist facilitators into Exercise Torrent opened up the opportunity for support agencies and local government to engage with the community in ways they hadn't before. It also offered new entry points into areas of preparedness that aren't always well serviced by traditional processes, like accessibility. You can see that impact in real time as Jonathan Craig takes the floor. So this is the first time that I've been involved in such an exercise and I was really interested in the question of um, what was going to be the impact of 
doing an exercise like this where we where we play pretend. And I think that the answer to this for me, which I've found through the process of, of the exercise, is, you know, that we get the chance through this to rehearse the kind of empathy and listening and and being ready to uh, you know embrace the views and needs of people who are different from ours um, you know before the event which is is pretty stressful in the moment and you know where things are moving very very quickly I'm going to break us out again and I want to uh, to chat about the questions that are on your pieces of paper that are upside down on your tables now. I'd like you to flip over those pieces of paper theatrically, if you will. So I have a uh, condition called osteoporosis pseudoglioma syndrome. Nobody has to try and spell that. Um, It is a very rare condition that causes blindness and brittle bones as a result of the same genetic anomaly. And I guess the point that I was making when I was talking was that because my condition is so rare, there's only around three to 4,000 of me in the world. I am the kind of person that is impossible to plan for. But planning is needed when you're preparing for a disaster. That's the focus of Jonathan's session. How can you think about preparedness in a way that accounts for all individuals and their needs without having to get specific about what every single one of those needs might be? How can we prepare for relief centres that anticipate and adapt to the needs of everyone in the community? I want to really think about two different questions. I want to think you know, about in policy, you're always you trying to create plans and systems, plans and plans and, and systems are really systems awesome. And one of the things that we're going to get out of this is improving plans and systems. But you, you know, one of the ways that you improve plans and systems is by connecting with people as individuals and bringing into the table those lived experiences of people who can't be put into cohorts, because in the end. In an emergency situation, every person is an individual, regardless of whether they're wearing a uniform or whether they're riding a wheelchair or, you know, using a white cane. They're they're all just a person. You know, can only partially can only partially do, and the plan will be better for it. Jonathan definitely balances the transition from micro to macro. Reflecting on personal experience and moving outwards to the bigger picture of neighbours, family, whole of community. You know, we, this group of people in this room, as individuals, I hope, will be better listeners. Sometimes, you know, people see me as the person who needs help in a situation like this. And yes, I admit, I accept that that is actually that that is true but also i am a person who has something to offer i i don't want you to just think about people with disabilities i really want you to p- think about all people because as i said before in situations like this people's needs change people's people who were previously incredibly self-sufficient were suddenly become very reliant on systems and on individuals to help them. And I also want you to think in unusual ways about what people might be able to offer, what people you know might be able to offer, what their skills are that might not immediately be recognised by these systems.
Let's have a chat. Okay, table three. Each of the roundtable groups shares with the room some highlights from their conversations, prompted by Jonathan's session. Um, how can need become offer? And how can organisations support this transition? Um, how do we learn from experience? And does my organisation reflect the community that I'm working with and for? And information, information, information. <laughs> But I was not completely sure how people would respond, how the conversations would move, how the rhythm of the room would feel. And so it was a real, uh, really a delight. I don't use that word often as well. A real, like, uh, really pleasing to me when I could audibly hear that the room was 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 pulsing and moving well. And, and that was just so nice. Drawing from the skills that we all bring, but also drawing from the skills within the community itself. People that have lived experience, Jonathan explained a lot of that to us for his examples, but the people within the community have a lot of lived experience and skills to offer as well. Identifying the community and identifying... I was watching people's reactions um, during Jonathan's session and there were so many people who were just um, really involved in the discussion, in the conversation and listening to, um, to Jonathan, nodding their heads, just really engaged. Um, you know, I, I just thought it was great. People, but the community probably have more to offer. Um, Whereas in, in previous exercises, I think people kind of think, oh, yeah, well, you know, my role is an emergency management coordinator or I work at Fire Rescue Victoria, so that's what I'm looking at. But Jonathan led the, the session so that people were thinking, okay, so what about me first as a person and then my role and then how I relate to it? And I think that was um, Gosh, was really great. Very last minute got picked to speak. Um, I think that kind of what's different from the kinds of events that I might have attended or known about is kind of creative and lateral thinking and thinking about uh, things and systems and people in ways that go beyond what is the typical purview of emergency services agencies. Um, but also having specific LGBTQIA plus services. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, lot, lots, but that's it. Where would you like to go The input of the artist's team and the creative methodologies they employ brought a new layer of depth to the relational aspects of the exercise. We know that communities with strong social ties have better outcomes in a disaster situation, so a crucial part of effective preparedness is finding ways to engage in the deep listening and empathy that Jonathan talks about. Things like strengthening community networks, building trust between community members and service agencies, considering specific needs for different sectors of the community, engaging in decision-making and information-sharing before a disaster occurs. Help us to be more prepared to respond when it does. The trust built into these community relationships through Arts House's long-term engagement meant the participants understood their contribution would be valued, supported and highlighted within this exchange process. There's something else artists bring to a disaster preparedness exercise, though. Something that can be easily overlooked or underestimated. It was a great way of doing sessions, putting a bit more fun into it. If I can say fun in emergencies, people say that's, you know, that's a contradiction, but it, it, people were engaged. Arts-based processes 
have the ability to put people into a mindset of creativity and play. It's highly participatory, which activates innovative thinking and encourages different ways of communicating. The use of a fictional scenario, even if it closely resembles reality, provides a creative space where traditional power structures are removed, giving participants an opportunity to take on roles outside of their usual perspective. They weren't stepping out of the room, looking at their mobiles, looking at laptops. It kept the the pace running and I thought it worked really well. I thought as a group we worked really well. Um, I thought the process was great, having the artists involved. I actually think it's an interesting line to walk where, you know, we're doing this, this kind of rehearsal of a situation that would be quite stressful to deal with in real life. And so you have to acknowledge that the situation, you know, is a stressful situation um, and and not disrespect that. But also, you know, you, there has to be, and this is what's bringing the arts into it really brings, is a sense of play and a sense of, you know, a sense of creativity uh, which might not have been present otherwise. Having Jen Ray as your facilitator means you're invited into contemplative spaces that enable new perspectives to be presented and positions to be gently challenged. Jen's commitment to transdisciplinary collaboration drives her creative practice, inviting a reimagining of possible futures with deeper awareness of intersectionality and cultural politics. Having Kate Sulan tell you to slow down time and invite reflection is very different to being asked process questions by a colleague in the SES. Kate's process builds inclusive spaces and supports working with complex power dynamics in the room. More than 20 years of creative facilitation has equipped both Jen and Kate with a bounty of tools to hold complex and difficult conversations with nuance, safety and creativity. And I think that's really something that Jen brought, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, the way that she facilitated and Jen and Kate running these uh, popcorn sharing sessions where people only had a minute to share all of the insights that they had from their table. And it got really fun and the things were moving really quickly. So bringing play into it can really be an incredible thing and it doesn't detract at all from the seriousness of the work that we're doing. That sense of openness and engagement that the artist facilitators brought to the table had another big role to play too. Remember the importance Christine placed on bringing the community and local businesses into Exercise Torrent? That was different this year, something challenging and new for the people running the exercise. How to do that in a way that didn't feel like us versus them? the disaster services representatives as the experts and the community members as those who need to be helped in a disaster. How to put everyone on an equal playing field in these discussions and make sure someone with no background in disaster management felt just as comfortable sharing their ideas and reflections as someone who might come to these exercises every year as part of their work. This is where arts methodologies can be central to making that work. They are designed in a way that encourages equitable engagement, a level playing field where all participants are equal in the development of the narrative. Here's Jen Ray. Well, oftentimes when you're working in an arts context, you have people coming to the, you know, your audience or your participants 
understand risk a little bit differently. They're willing to be challenged. You know, they come with a certain understanding of what they're entering. In today's event, it was flipped to a certain degree where people were coming and didn't quite know what the process was going to be. And, you know, they came with, you know, different disciplinary knowledges or expertise you know the whole purpose of this is is to learn and learn from each other and that everyone in the room is an expert at something and so by not having rigid structures but something that would allow people to feel included in in a process that their voice would be um be heard and that we were offering um, a space to hear and listen to different perspectives The participants felt it too, from the disaster management service providers to the community members and also the creatives who had been part of co-designing how the day would unfold. It's been really lovely just kind of feeling the room and seeing how everyone is having these very quiet but in-depth conversations with each other. And I've been to emergency service exercises before and I feel like the big difference from previous ones I've been to and the one today is that there's definitely a feeling of joy and warmth in the room which is unusual when you're talking about disaster preparedness (laughs) and there's a feeling of connectedness having the tables mixed up with community members and emergency service staff and council workers is yeah isn't something that has usually happened in these exercises before that we can rebuild trust. Over and over again, I have heard people, both before I came today and today in that room downstairs, I've heard people talking about the need to build trust in the community with politicians, in trusting agencies, trusting the way in which we work and assemble the data on which we base our ideals and our actions. It's a much bigger question than I can confront but it's one that I'm really happy to examine in this kind of engaged grouping. And I feel like you can, um, yeah, without even hearing what people are saying, you can kind of feel that energy um, in the space and that kind of openness. um, And I feel like there's a lot of introspectiveness that's maybe happening as well. Um, Lots of kind of reflective conversations and also generative conversations and Um, people are maybe thinking, um, you know, this isn't necessarily like the typical way the exercises have run before. The one thing I really liked about here was the connection with the, the, the communities that are not, not well represented out there. And, and it's just having that link in there to understand that during an emergency, they need support. And this is the best way that we can do that to, to do, to help them out, to understand, to make them safe. Um, get them over the emergency and back into normal life. And people have really embraced people's ideas as well. And I think that kind of openness to, yeah, to bring in new ideas and knowledges and ways of doing things is incredibly brave and is the only way that things are going to change as well. That last comment was from Sarah Robertam. I work as a creative producer at Arts House. Sarah was a producer on Refuge, So she's familiar with the value of collaboration between artists and disaster management services when it comes to preparedness. She was also a core part of the co-design process for Exercise Torrent and part of setting the agenda of community engagement that informed who would be in the room. 
She says something that sticks with me about the different strengths people are bringing to the table on a day like this. I think artists are um, amazing at holding space, at holding complex issues and the complexities around climate disaster and disasters. I think they're thinking about the nuance and the individual um, and how um, to perhaps focus on things that uh, that could be around um, the emotional, the cultural, the spiritual um, kind of elements. I also think they're really great at playing in the dark and experimentation. That's the artist's role, not so different from a disaster simulation. And, you know, when, within these emergency exercises, that's exactly what the emergency services are doing. They're hypothesising and they're practising for something for when it really happens. Um, and artists also kind of hypothesise and play with big questions around the world. This ability to hypothesise and imagine future scenarios is key to preparing for the future we are heading into. The climate crisis is already presenting unprecedented challenges to communities all over the world. And we know these will continue to grow in scale in coming decades. Part of facing this challenge means reimagining futures and adapting our approach. New thinking for a new reality. As preparedness becomes an increasingly important part of how we plan into an uncertain future, the encouraging thing about programs like Exercise Torrent is that they show what's possible when we integrate arts-led processes into disaster planning at every stage, not just for recovery programs. Bringing creatives into the process unlocks ways to imagine future scenarios and also deepens people-centred approaches to community resilience, helping to build the relationships and levels of cooperation required to meet the challenges that lay ahead. Nothing makes that clearer than the closing speech of the day. It's the Director of City Safety, Security and Amenity, Dean Robertson, Christine's boss at the Council. He thanks everyone and speaks on the importance of the connections made. The time to meet people is not when an emergency is underway, right? So just being here, having something to eat, having a cup of coffee and that sort of stuff is really building relationships. So when something happens, you go, oh, yeah, I saw you at North Melbourne. Then he drives home just how essential preparedness has become. This is an annual exercise. And when we walk through that door, we don't go, Whew we're done and we keep going because as you know there will be a flood in the next 12 months in North Melbourne it is guaranteed um, because we had the earthquake scenario we had an earthquake we had the pandemic scenario we had a pandemic right so it's coming this isn't the end of the process for Christine and the team there were ideas generated at Arts House in Exercise Torrent that they will carry forward. Jen Ray could see it in action. 
with the ideas that will be picked up and fed into Council's work, and those that will be carried forward at an individual and community level by the people in the room. We got some really great game-changing ideas today, and I think um, what was really exciting about that, that was that we had people who had been through different disasters in recent years. Um, they have been, they're tuning in to what's working in different communities and they can see how those ideas can be applied, but that they can bring in an understanding that not every, every disaster is different and therefore you have to have an understanding of the context. And what we saw today was that people were thinking about ideas that they've seen elsewhere, but then also seeing how it actually can, can be applied in North Melbourne, but also thinking about um, intersectionality and thinking about inclusion and thinking about um, the multitudes and ways in which we can all communicate. So I, that's, that I think was one of the most exciting things in the room was actually having that complexity. At a council level, those ideas will start to have an immediate impact when the exercise ends, feeding into localised preparedness plans being generated with council. Christine's team are working to develop disaster preparedness plans for each neighbourhood across the city of Melbourne. So, you know, have a, a North Melbourne plan so that it's specific to the um, special features and special um, things that are important to North Melbourne so that we can drill down to that next level. So if something does happen that impacts North Melbourne, we know the tram's important, we know there are certain groups we can contact to get information disseminated, we know, you know what the lost dog's home capacity is, we've got that local knowledge. So it's that next level. So that's the ideal, that we could do that for each of the neighbourhoods we have in City of Melbourne. Just as missing pieces in a jigsaw puzzle prevent the whole picture from forming, disaster preparedness without meaningful community engagement is incomplete. The collaboration between the two different areas of council, Arts House and Emergency Management, is a great example of how bringing arts-led strategies into the process provides a different lens for people to participate more readily. But putting the puzzle together requires patience and vision, building relationships and trust over time. It also requires commitment from local governments and people like Christine who see the value in investing and developing this work. I think it's important to recognise that um, if you're working with artists, that you're going to have to, um, to spend some money on doing it to do it well as well. So if you're asking artists to come along and, and be part of it, then you're going to need to pay them. So it's a, it's a real joint initiative and develop it together. And organisations like Arts House that are actively exploring the role that artists and civic spaces play in working with the community and emergency services and showing what it looks like when arts-based programs are brought into a disaster management space. I remember saying this at the time to someone, you know, with the first refuge um, project that was run, with some of the projects you could hear children laughing in the, um, in the relief centre that was being run. Now, you don't often hear children laughing in a relief centre, but why can't you? I mean, I know that it's really sad when there's an emergency going on, but if we open an emergency relief centre and we have children there and we've got programs that can keep them engaged and occupied and take their minds off things and also, um, you know, ease the burden on their their parents and family, um, that's really great. So it's, it's just that other level of um, looking at things. It doesn't have to all necessarily be the formal 
approaches that we take. It's still got to be sound approaches. It's still got to be looking at people's needs, but just those different lenses. Our greatest challenge ahead as complex communities is to create ways for all parts of the puzzle to come together, to see their place in forming the bigger picture, to recognise how each one is a different shape and to understand how they fit with the other pieces. It was just a really great experience and um, and I think it just highlighted all of those things that we've talked about and just the importance of working together. I think that's the whole thing. And when I say that, it's, it's all of us, agencies, councils, community members, um, artists, everybody. Creative Responders is an initiative of the Creative Recovery Network, hosted by me, Skosha Monkovic. We'd like to thank Christine Drummond, Jonathan Craig, Jen Ray and Kate Sorlin for their participation. Special thanks to Sarah Robotam at Arts House for her assistance. Exercise Torrent is an initiative by the City of Melbourne, created with the support of Victoria State Emergency Services and the Department of Families, Fairness and Housing. Creative Responders is produced by me and my Creative Recovery Network colleague, Jill Robson. Our sound engineer is Glenn Morrow. Field recordings were by Glenn Morrow and studio recordings by Tiffany DeMack at Glamour and Mayhem Studios in Meenjin, Brisbane. Special thanks to Jess O'Callaghan. Original music composed by Mikey Squire. If you'd like to find out more about how the arts can support and strengthen communities through the disaster experience, visit our website, creativerecovery.net.au. This is also where you can find episode transcripts and the archives of all our documentary and in-conversation episodes. If you'd like to hear more from Jonathan Craig, we'll be releasing a special in-conversation episode with Jonathan as a companion to this, So look out for that in the Creative Responders feed. You can also head to our archives to find my past conversations with both Jen Ray and Kate Sorlin if you'd like to know more about their work and the Refuge Project. Thanks for listening.